Beyond the Fence Line, a podcast brought to you by the Texas Agricultural Land Trust. Created by landowners for landowners, we're proud to play a role in conserving the Texas legacy of wide open spaces. For this edition of Beyond the Fence Line, listen in on a conversation that took place during a recent broadcast of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association Cattlemen to Cattlemen television show. TALT CEO Chad Ellis was joined by former TALT Chairman David Crow, Michael Delbar, CEO of the California Rangeland Trust, and Steve Wooten of the Colorado Land Trust for a discussion about conservation easements and how they can be used to keep working lands working. Hello and welcome to this special edition of NCBA's Cattlemen to Cattlemen. I'm Kevin Ochsner. Now, it doesn't matter if you raise cattle, grow crops, or manage timber. Your goal is to steward your land and resources in a way that ensures they're around for future generations. One tool many farmers and ranchers have used is a conservation easement. But how exactly does a conservation easement work, and how can it help you achieve your sustainability goals? We're joined today by a group of conservation easement experts who will share their insights on this important topic. First of all is Chad Ellis, CEO of the Texas Agricultural Land Trust, an organization that works with private landowners to conserve working lands. Also joining us from Texas is David Crow. He's a rancher who serves as the chair of the Texas Agricultural Land Trust. Next is Steve Wooten, a Colorado beef producer who serves on the board of the Colorado Cattlemen's Agricultural Land Trust. And our final panelist is Michael Delbar, CEO of the California Rangeland Trust, which helps ranchers protect working lands through conservation agreements. So as we begin this conversation, let's start with the basics, Chad. I mean, what is a conservation easement? How would you define it? Yeah, a conservation easement's a voluntary contract. It's a really a truly a partnership with uh, the landowner and the uh, easement holder, uh, like Texas Agricultural Land Trust or the California Range Land Trust, like Michael runs. Very good. And I would ask you two gentlemen as ranchers, I mean, what do you see as some of the key benefits of putting all or part of your land into a conservation easement? We're seeing a, a generational transfer in our family. And this gives me the opportunity to send it into the next generation the way I, I envision it, the way our family envision it. And then for future generations without the um, encumbrances of of estate taxes and things like that. It's a tool in the toolbox is what it is. Gotcha. It's, it's very important for us. It's also very important to pick the easement holder mm. to, to understand where their mission is as well. Gotcha. Steve, what would you see as the key benefits to ranchers like yourself? Well, Kevin, uh, in our example and what I see as a board member of the Colorado Cattlemen's Agriculture Land Trust, a lot of the times, not only is it just successional transfer and, and estate tax management, but it's oftentimes a restructuring of the family business for a financial reason so that the younger generation can come on board or stay on board. And, and in that case, that's what we chose to do, both for the reduction in the state tax risk that our family was going to have in succession, but it put us in a financial situation where 
our young family could come back from college and stay with us and move forward. So we had kind of a dual purpose, but we see that frequently in a lot of the partnership programs that we do in Colorado. So my understanding is there are some restrictions that typically go along with a conservation easement. I'm curious, Michael, uh, how does a conservation easement restrict the use of agricultural land? Well, Kevin, no two easements are exactly alike. Each one's going to be crafted to fit what the landowner is looking for, what the funder's looking for, what the land trust is looking for. That's why it's really important for the landowner to choose a land trust that understands why they do business, how they do business, which is why Texas and Colorado and California were formed, to be that, that tool. But restrictions can be primarily you're giving up or selling development rights. So the right to subdivide, put a strip mall, a bunch of houses, whatever it may be, you're giving up that right, but you're being paid for, you're paid for that or with cash or the tax benefits to, for that value today. But those easements are perpetual, so make sure that whatever restrictions are in there, they work for you today and they'll work for you tomorrow. It's a great point. And as we talk about uh, the land values, clearly the, the difference between a property in Colorado that you can subdivide and put them all on versus one that is going to be a ranch forever uh, changes the value of, of the land. Tell us more about that, Steve. The process of, of coming to that value is a part of the program that you go through. You will need to find an appraiser that can work with and understand agriculture that works with your land trust. Those resources are often available at California and, and Texas as well as Colorado. And they'll determine what that baseline value is. And then based on the risk assessment of development or other actions that might be coming at that property that would change it from being agriculture, that difference is what is measured in what you're giving up in your easement or in your donative part of the conservation contract. So I'm curious, Chad, I mean, do you have to put all your land in it at one time or what, what is the uh, circumstance? Not there? at all, not at all. I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of, like Michael mentioned, is you know these are tailored to that family mm -hmm. and those goals and objectives. So it's not all or none. And it's being, you know, uh, thinking about that future of, you know, a lot of times we see, you know, landowners cut out 100 acres or 200 acres. That's a key area of kind of where their main barns, main headquarters. They're looking at, you know, other families moving back to the ranch mm -hmm. and uh, where they can have that, that freedom and operate. You know, Kevin, one example on that, we have a ranch in the San Francisco Bay Area that put, a the first easement they did was a 32 acre easement around a pond for a tiger salamander. So the restrictions were to continue to graze that for the habitat of that salamander. And that was only a small portion of the entire ranch. Now that landowner's done two more portions of that ranch, but that's been able to keep them in business, keep that in the family. And that landowner will tell you that's the most lucrative livestock he's ever raised. Wow, I, I bet that's right, salamanders. Huh? So, so tell me this, Chad, I mean, what are the types of properties that are most appropriate for this? Or what have you seen in your experience? Yeah, I mean, we see, you know, from one end to the other. I mean, I think the, the main thing when we look at it from, um, you know, our partnership of Range Land Trust, which is a group of land trust of, of Colorado and, and California and, and Texas and, and others, is, you know, really working lands. I mean, that's our goal and objective, to keep landowners, empower them to, to keep that heritage and legacy down to the to next generation. And, and David, I would ask you, um, what, what rights does this give the government? I mean, does then the government control your land or, or help me understand uh, how the government gets involved and what control they have over the land once you put it into the easement? Well, I can speak from a donated easement perspective that uh, 
the government, it's really not the government. I mean, they're not coming to get you. It's not, it's not that adversarial. Uh, number one, <clears throat> the IRS is one that has the rules on this thing. Okay. okay? And it, you know, that's why you, you, you craft this easement with the land trust that you pick. Mm -hmm. And it's not a contentious type deal. It's not negotiating, it's crafting. And that's very important for people to understand okay. to pick the, the trust that they feel comfortable with. Yes and then build that easement to where, you know, I'm comfortable with it and they're comfortable with it. The IRS is gonna bless this thing or they're not. If they don't bless it, then you don't have to do it. You gotta go back to the drawing board and figure out where the problems are. Like in, in uh, Talt, uh, I'm, I'm wearing two hats in this deal because Chad and I are talking, we're putting an easement on one of our ranches now. Okay. We're in the middle of negotiating it. Take that word out. We're crafting okay. this, this easement. Yeah. And we've spent lots of hours talking about it. Okay. They've been great in advising me on which way to go on this. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Several times I've gone, I haven't even thought about that. Mm -hmm. But it, like they were talking about you know, building envelopes. You gotta think way into the future. I have four kids, I have four grandkids. I hope I have a lot more. But you know, you gotta think about what their needs could be further down the road. As far as the government, to, the, to your point, the government, it's not one of those type things that they're gonna come in and seize your land. It's not, it's not scary like this. This is an opportunity to, to keep that land the way you envision it, in perpetuity. Yeah. And you are, in essence, in the driver's seat because you don't have to agree. To you don't have to do this. Yeah. It's up to you, and the benefits are there. I think one of the key things, too, Kevin, is to understand, like, one of our core guiding principles of our organization is we will never hand over that easement to a government agency. It will stay within us, right? So there's those assurances back to the landowner that, that you know, this is, again, that partnership of us, uh, of generations, and, and truly becoming a family. Yeah. And we went one step further, yeah. Chad, and, and like you were saying, the, the link that you have to get your mind to thinking, my great, great, great grandchildren. Exactly. And so we specified if for some reason, I mean, this was out of the box that Colorado Catamans Agriculture Land Trust became dissolved. Mm -hmm. We specified where the next transfer of our easement would go to so that we had some assurance that it wouldn't just end up in a general natural resources conservation, you know, something like that. And, and so those things are important. It took us over two years to complete our easement as we worked through the process. And we're different than David. We did what's called a bargain sale. So we looked for funders to fund 50% of our easement and negotiated that with them and worked through that till we finally found funders. And then we donated the other portion of our easement and used the tax credits to finish out the funding. I want to get into the nitty gritty a little bit. And uh, Chad, uh, first question to you, uh, tell us about the process. I mean, what are some of the steps that folks go through in engaging with an organization like yours to begin this process of developing a land trust? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the key word. It, it is a process, Kevin. Uh, you know, they, they engage in us, they call us, and we sit down and really just try to find out, you know, what are those goals and objective of the landowner? What's that operation? What is, you know, what's motivating them, right? And there's so many different, everybody comes to it at different stages or different things that motivate them and, and their needs. And so we sit, kind of break that down. Um, and one of the, you know, there's two key things that a landowner really has to start thinking about. And one is uh, kind of the divisions, like, 
you know, partials of that, you know, do we want to split that ranch up, right? I think there's myths, right? You still own the land, you can still sell the land, you can still do a lot of things from that perspective. So it's that and then building envelopes. And, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, we, you know, Steve's talked about this is you get kind of hung up sometimes when you're thinking multiple generations mm -hmm. down the road. Yeah. And that's where we kind of help and just sort of, in, in some sense, become a facilitator and that true partner of sure. asking them questions, getting them to think of things that they haven't thought about. Yeah. Michael, what would you add? You know, it's a, it's a long-term partnership. So and when we don't approach landowners because it's a tool, but it's not a tool for everyone. So we don't, the last thing is, is ranchers, we don't want someone driving up the lane and going, hey, we got a deal for you. That's a good way to get run off really quick. So from Rangeland Trust perspective, we don't approach landowners. When they're ready, when they want questions answered, they'll come to us and then we start that, that relationship. But it's, it's a partnership and that's what we view, not just it's another, another client or someone we're gonna do the project with and then we'll never see them again. This is a, a perpetual partnership with that landowner and then the next one to take over that property. So we wanna make sure that it's done right and, and done to the, what they're looking for. So Steve, I mean, uh, they, they talk about how it's a little bit of soul searching, a little bit of looking into the crystal ball. I mean, what are some of the things that a landowner like yourself should consider when you're putting your land into a conservation easement? I think, Kevin, one of the things you need to really consider is, do you want that large tract that you're looking at, do you want it whole within the conservation contract? Or do you see a value because of your, your children or your grandchildren where you might need to have it in parcels? Each parcel is under the conservation contract, but it allows you to say this parcel goes to this child, this parcel goes to this child, or you put it all in one. And then it's an, an entity body that can't be separated. It protects against any severance against it. So those are some issues that you really have to think about it. They have impacts. If you create divisions within that where it might be sold off away from the family, that reduces the value that you'll receive from it. So there's pluses and minuses that you and your trust will work with. Michael said something that brought a thought to my mind along that line too is we always want people to come to us at Colorado Cattlemen's. So we're a member of the Colorado Cattlemen's Association. We function as a land trust at the service of all members of Colorado Cattlemen's. So we're at every convention, we're at every meeting, we make ourselves available, but we're not pushing it. We're just there to answer questions so that members know that there's a tool. David, what would you add in terms of the considerations that is, you as a landowner uh, need, to, need to think about? Well, I'm going to start out with my landowner hat and end up with my talt hat. Okay, good. Uh, as a landowner, I, I can't tell you how important it is to do your homework on picking the, the trust that you want to put your land with. Okay. You're asking someone to come be your partner yeah. in perpetuity. I think that's really important. Now, as, as, a, as a TALT board member, I've been asked by people that are considering an easement, hey, what happens if TALT goes broke? Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I don't ever foresee that, but you know, the, the perpetuity is a long time. Yes. And you know, Chad's gonna be hopefully around for the next 20 years, but what about the next guys that come in? What, what if they do a bad job? Mm -hmm. I can only speak for TALT, but we have a foundation that backs us up. Gotcha. That's very important. It's a well-funded foundation its sole mission is to make sure that TALT is there to be with the landowners. 
So once the deal is done, Chad, I mean, do you still have a role? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, we're we're in a relationship, right? right. It's a partnership. Yeah. You know, one of the key things that we do every year is we have to monitor uh, that that contract. And, 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 you know, when we think about that being uh, non-development, right? They can't develop. And so, you know, we kind of come out and have coffee and drink, you know, drive around uh, the ranch and ask, hey, you know, what's what are you thinking about next year? Are you thinking about building anything? And, you know, making sure there's no uh, casinos or, or housing yeah. developments that's that's been built in that last year. So, you know, and I think the other piece to Kevin is kind of, it is that relationship. Yeah. And, you know, Conservation easement is our bread and butter at Texas Ag Land Trust, but we're also trying to help that landowner find other financial incentives and, and think, you know, other goals and objectives. Need that. to have that kind of partner with you. Go ahead, Michael. If I can, uh, that long-term relationship, when we go out there to do that stewardship monitoring each year, something is bound to happen. It, it just That's just life. When we, For example, we had an easement where somebody dissed a fire break on the wrong side of the road. So technically, that's a violation. It gets back to picking that right organization because if an organization under, has, does not understand why we do business the way we do business, then that could be a big problem. But we recognize that there was no damage. That grass will grow back. We were able to, to rectify it, clarify it, and, and on we go. So that relationship, not just getting the, the, the crafting of the easement done, but perpetual is so important because that's, that's the partnership that you're going to have going forward. So, Steve, you mentioned that you're uh, available at Colorado Cattlemen's events and so forth, but I'm curious. I mean, we have three states represented here. How do people find a land trust near them with similar values uh, if they're interested in some of the things they're they're hearing today? Yeah, I think one one option is they're, you know, all three of our organizations are part of another organization called Partnerships of Range Land Trust. Oh. And there's nine uh nine land trusts through the plains and west, western states. The thing that's unique, and it comes back to what Michael and, and Steve and David have talked about, is that all of those organizations have a close relationship with that state uh, cattlemen's uh, or farm bureau. And so, you know, we are, you know, that ag-focused. Um, you can go to that website and find, uh, you know, through there uh, is, a, is a one option. Are there other programs or initiatives that you're aware of that can help uh, ranchers like yourselves further conservation projects and conservation initiatives? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, one is what we're trying to stack value, right? Gotcha. So yeah. when we think about conservation easements, that's perpetual, it's gonna be there forever. Mm -hmm. We start thinking about you know a lot of things coming down the pipeline, Kevin, of carbon markets, mm -hmm. water markets, right? Biodiversity markets. Yeah. And when you think from a buyer's side, from a corporation, you know, there's a whole lot of value and actually premium uh, for some of that marketplace because knowing that Steve and David's place is going to be a ranch, going to be providing food and clean air, clean water for, for generations to come. Steve, I know some of your roles in other organizations, you've explored this. What would you add? One of the things that we've noticed over the years working with, with them is originally it was all about development. And we talked about development being a restrictive deal, but this was this got started in that realm of the urban-rural interface and how do we keep land making food, producing food. And so we, we and others along with, with Chad and, and Michael, we began to wrestle with how do we present the valuation where agriculture production is its own worthy conservation value. Instead of the bulldozers about to roll over the fence, <laughs> 
Why not preserve agriculture for the sake of society? Why is that not a great enough value yep. that if we maintain that this will be in agriculture forever, that becomes the valuation of it? Then you layer on the others that they're talking about, and you're beginning to make that difference in the cyclical, that yes. noisy market cycle that we all go through. Maybe we can figure out ways that that's not so noisy for the producers. Yeah, and I think it's one other thing, you know, I think is important when we think about that next generation. Mm -hmm. You know, at Talt, we're 15 years old. We've had a lot of those easements that are already handing over to that next generation. Yes. And it's kind of like I always say, Kevin, is that family's taking a bite of that conservation apple, mm -hmm. you know, that bite of that easement, and it's, it's you know, it's there. But just at the end of the day, it's still a business, right? We have to find other incentives, other ways, financial incentives to keep them in business. Because just because we have a conservation easement doesn't mean that you're still going to, you know, keep that business together. So it's important that we keep thinking of everything we can to add and keep bringing value back to that family. Point. It's a tool in the toolbox. Now, if you're interested in putting your land and natural resources into a conservation easement, a land trust may be the perfect solution. To find an organization near you that can help with the process, just go to the website, landtrustalliance.org or rangelandtrusts.org. Now, it doesn't matter if you're new to agriculture or your cattle business has been around for multiple generations. Chances are you feel a deep connection to the land. That's why conservation easements can be such a valuable resource to ensure your land is preserved for future generations. We asked several cattle producers from across the U.S. to share how conservation easements have had a positive impact on their operations. Here's what they had to say. Over 95% of our ranch is included in four different conservation easements. We've bought three other properties with the sale of conservation easements. We use the capital from that to help us afford to buy land that we couldn't have bought with production alone. We put a grassland easement on some land so it can't be broken up. And, you know, some people don't like those. And I get that. And for a long time, I understood that. But I don't want to see this native range broke up. And I just think it was a good move to protect it. And uh, it helped us with some things as we made some business decisions. We've got 240 acres, 230 acres in a perpetual easement on that. It'll be in for my three kids to do what they want to do with it, but at least it can't be broke. They can pasture it or rent it out, but it's always going to stay in a pasture. We have preserved almost 800 acres of land permanently under conservation easements. And those easements really took away the financial um, burden of the debt from the years of accumulating the farm. When we did that, we all realized that we were conserving the land forever, and that's something that was very important to us. So the easement that we have in place on Blackbeard is, it's approximately a 1,500-acre easement that was identified of all the land on this ranch. All we're doing is giving up the right to build a house. We're still grazing cattle on it, but that easement program fit for us. We've put the farm in a conservation easement. Uh, really had no question on the ground that's the best thing to do. But, you know, when you talk about forever, if there is such a word as forever, uh, you wonder, you know, what have I done to the next generation? What have I done to three generations down? We're in an area that has a lot of development pressure around it. We're kind of like the donut hole at this point. Uh, we pretty much have built around, and this property would subdivide beautifully. And that was my profession until 10 years ago. So I certainly saw the potential there. But 
you know, this farm has survived for 250 plus years as a farm. And I think my goal as manager for this short duration is to make as many improvements as I can to make it that much better for the next generation to start. And hopefully they'll build on it. We're back now with our panel. And David and Steve, I want to start with you and just have you share your conservation stories with our viewers. David, do you want to begin? Sure. Uh, our story is, 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 is an unfinished story. We're not done yet. Uh, uh, Chad and I are, are working on an easement uh, on one of our ranches now. Um, we'll, we'll close it in 2023. It's going to be a, a donated easement. And as our family, you know, we're, we're, it's kind of like molding. You know, with a hunk of clay, we're, we're building this thing together. Okay. And we're looking at, at some other options. Uh, we're looking at the, at the uh, as Chad said earlier, about stacking some of the values on that. And there's some, there's some interesting things on, that go along with it that help defray some of the costs hmm. of this easement. Uh, people understand, you know, when, when it, it costs money to do this, okay? Uh, you, you, you've got to pay attorney's fees. You pay attorney's fees for yourself and you pay it for the trust as well. See, people need to be aware as they go into this what, what it takes to build one of these things. Uh, I can't tell you, go in with your eyes wide open, then no one's surprised on, on this type of thing. But uh, What drove you and your family to, to explore this to begin with? This ranch is very near and dear to us. It has a lot of historical value to it. Uh, I, I won't go into the whole Texas history thing, but one of the first battles in the Texas Revolution was fought on this ranch. Uh, it's got uh, three miles of uh, San Antonio River frontage. Uh, it's, it's an incredible piece of property. And to, to see it change uh, in any way, it just it breaks everybody's heart. So uh, conservation easement is just a, a no-brainer for us, you know, because uh, everybody is 100% in agreement. This is the way they want to see it in, in, from, for future generations. That's outstanding. Steve, tell us a little bit about your story. Kevin, ours is a little bit different. Um, we're located in southeast Colorado, and there's a really unique, rare canyon structure in southeast Colorado. It looks like the mini Grand Canyon, but located in Colorado, and it, it has incredible diversity of wildlife species. It's great cow-calf country. And we have two children, two daughters, and at the time that we considered this, Drought had been hitting us hard for several years and we'd incurred a lot of expenses and we wanted to get the business in a position where if they married and chose to come back to the ranch, that the ranch was there for them. And so ours was get a restructure of the finances of the ranch, get it into a position where it's operating without debt, and then diversify the operation so that the children could come back. Um, we, two years, I said that earlier, but what happened was with with the first round, we got scared. We just couldn't get to a comfort zone because we kept hearing things from a funder in Colorado. We use our lottery money in Colorado to fund a lot of easements. And so the land trust applies for that funding. We heard things from the individuals on there that were making us nervous about restrictions. And so we stomped the brakes. And that frustrated a lot of people. And, and, but we had to. We just weren't comfortable. We started again. We came back. We resolved those issues with the help of our land trust and got to a contract that we could live with. And we also included our children in it. 
they had final say because it, this was all for them and we wanted them to feel comfortable with what we were doing. So they had a no-go point in it too. And they said, no, yes, let's do this. Let's make sure that it's protected, it's preserved, and we went forward. That's fantastic. Michael and Chad, I mean, what are the other situations or circumstances you've seen that cause families to pursue uh, some sort of conservation easement? Chad? Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of, I mean, there's a lots of stories. It's kind of where do you start? You know, one that comes to mind, Kevin, is an easement that we closed around six months ago with a with a family that, you know, I've known for many, many years. And, and uh, you know, they sh- kind of went, went through the same thing as Steve and David talked mm-hmm. about of, look, we've put blood, sweat, and tears <laughs> of putting this 12,000-acre place wow. together. And, and it's like a lot of families, the children have gone and, to take in other careers, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so they're trying to think about it, right, of, of what do they do? And so, you know, it hit them and, uh, you know, they basically said, look, we're going to do a conservation easement because that's the best thing for the land. That's what our, our you know, internal mission and vision of a, of a family. And their aspect, they kind of came to grips is if the kids decide in the future it's not for them, they can still sell it, but that family knows that whoever is going to own that land is going to love it just as much as them. And, and so those are just another, you know, another That's a story. great example. Michael? One real common one is to settle some debt, particularly death tax. Death tax liability is a killer, no yeah. pun intended. And we've had ranches that have had to do the easements that, to keep that ranch in place and to settle those, those death tax bills. Others are, as we all know, family members move away. They don't have anything to do with that ranch. Some stay there, they're putting their blood, sweat, and tears into that land, and others are in the city making a living, doing other things. But they know that there's some value there, so they want their share. One way to do that is through the sale of a conservation easement to, to buy off those, those relatives. We did that with a, several of our projects. One were two brothers and, and two cousins, and they were able to, the cousins were very, very good about being patient because it's a very patient, you have to have patience for this process. He said, we want this, this ranch to stay in place. So take your time, do the easement, the easement proceeds then we're able to buy them out and the two brothers are now running the ranch. Great example. So I'm curious from you two ranchers, I mean, how does it impact the day-to-day management operations of the ranch? Does it restrict you in any way and what you do or how you do it? From our standpoint, it, it, it doesn't. Uh, they're not going to come tell me when it's time to rotate the cattle from pasture to pasture. That's not their mission. Now, that, you know, they're, they're, the land stewards that work for Talt, they come and make sure that I haven't made a deal with Walmart. Sure. To, to, you know, and it's going to be a parking lot. Uh, but, but, but other than that, they, they rely on me to be the steward. That's the whole reason we're working together is, is I'm the steward of the land. They're not going to question my, my uh, ability to uh, manage the cattle or manage the land. Steve, would you agree? I wholeheartedly. We don't feel any restriction on a day-to-day, year-to-year basis with with our agreement. Um, what what we've given up is the ability to commercialize a business in there to come in and, and put a huge building and then start making wafer board OSB for um, housing construction. Those are the kind of things that we're not doing. They don't they don't let me build the airport for my jet stream. <laughs> but th- that's the high level that we're at. Our agreement is specific that anything related to agriculture we're allowed to do. We take it a step further 
and proactively let them know we're going to put in a mile of pipeline, we're going to put in tanks. And then when they come do their stewardship check, it's there, it's covered up, and, and that way we're not, that doesn't say we have to do that, sure. but that's that working relationship that you share what's going on so nobody gets surprised anywhere. That's great. On the flip side of the equation, I'm curious, has the conservation easement allowed either of you two gentlemen to do something that you may not have been able to do financially or otherwise without an easement? Well, from a, a donated standpoint, uh, you know, you, you're, you're giving up value in that land. Sure. That's number one. So. Uh, from our position, you know, you're, you're donating that development value. Well, that you get to deduct that, yeah. and it's over a 15-year period. So it's 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 uh, very encouraging. I mean, for, and, and if from you're a tax it, standpoint, then you've been able to generate some cash flow that you wouldn't have had exactly. had you not done that. Exactly. Yeah. And if from a purchase uh, easement, you know, you you get paid for that. Steve, Cameron, we've allowed ourselves to be that spokesperson. Anytime that the land trust asks us, we're willing to share our story, the good, the bad, the tears, the blessings, the smiles. We've tried to be an example of it and share that out. Had we have not gone through it and really fully understood what a family's gonna sit at the table when, after they've talked to their attorney and after they've talked to the appraiser and the land trust, what's it like sitting at the table of the family trying to knock this thing out? So where we've been asked, we've been proud to serve. And it has enabled you to bring your kids back and grandkids now back to operation, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yes, sir. Fantastic and a great story. Steve, of course, you and your family were honored with the uh, Stewardship uh, Award, uh, Environmental Stewardship Award, two years ago with the Beatty Canyon Ranch. And I'm curious, uh, how does a conservation easement help you or assist you in the sustainable management of a ranch? I don't know, Kevin, that the conservation easement actually provides that, but as you're working through the process and you're working with a land trust like Texas, California, Colorado, they have any number of resources that you need only ask for, for assistance. And we were fortunate and blessed beyond what we even imagined to be the national winner of the Environmental Stewardship Award and also the Colorado recipient of the Leopold Conservation Award from Sand County Foundation. So it, it, it was all those tools and the people that worked with us and that trained us and helped us that led us to continue on that lifelong journey mm -hmm. of striving to do better, having better natural resources, better cattle. It's, it's a holistic type process and the conservation easement is a part of it, but it's also allowed us to learn more and, and become better managers of that whole system. Does it provide a sustainability story, Chad, relative to what ranchers are doing in a proactive way uh, to, to, to preserve and protect those lands for future generations? Most definitely. I mean, it, it helps in many ways, right? It it's a, gives us a, you know, a, it, it's the foundation, right? I mean, I always kind of say is that there's definitely a conservation ethic, right? If you look at Steve and, yeah. and David right here, and that conservation easement is sort of that last tool that really just it's a, it's a bow around it, and that's what's the beauty. And that, that story about it is, is just beautiful. You know, another issue that all of us face in agriculture is urban encroachment and uh, the issue of imminent domain. I'm curious, as I think about places like California, I mean, can conservation easements uh, support or assist you in addressing either one of those issues? They can. They, they can assist in the imminent domain issues. It's not bulletproof. Government still has that upper hand, but 
that landowner and that land trust are become partners to battle against that. There has to be a, an elevated degree of findings to to be successful for government to be successful in an eminent domain challenge to to resource lands that are under easement. What would you add, Steve? Kevin, we've seen instances where an oil and gas company wants to come through a property that has a conservation easement on it. They're looking at the least cost way to get from point A to point B. And that partnership comes to my shoulder or a landowner's shoulder and, and says, no, there's a conservation easement on here and you're going to do severe damage to that conservation value with the amount of land you're going to need for that pipeline or the power line transmission. And, or a road, a county wants to change a road. And so you have a partner in that conservation organization to stand at your side that has the resources of legal as well as fiduciary to assist you so that you're not alone trying to defend what you dream for your family. That's a great, great example. David, you were mentioning that ranch. I'd love to get uh, there one day, but I'm curious. Another question I had is, does a conservation easement give public access to your land in any way? Can somebody utilize that river or do anything that they couldn't have done before your conservation easement? That's an easy question, Kevin. No, <laughs> it, it, it does not. Uh, and I think there's, that needs to be put out there as loud as possible. It is, it is not an all-access type thing. You've, you've not made a deal with the government. You've made a deal with a trust. And I think that's important to, to make, take note of. Yeah. You all have clarified so many, at least of my misconceptions, uh, about what a conservation easement is, and I suspect many misconceptions of our viewers as well. So I'm curious, does having a conservation easement open you up in any way, shape, or form to lawsuits from crazy activist groups? I can't see how they can sue me. I mean, uh, I guess anybody can sue anybody for anything, but we're not doing anything different now than we were before the easement. All, all we're trying to do is, is raise our cattle in a sustainable way and taking care of the land. Steve? Kevin, I, I think there's an assumption by activist groups that a conservation easement means that we're under some higher regulation of Endangered Species Act or Clean Water Act or something like that, and you're not. You're not held to any higher standard than your neighbor is, your neighboring state, and they don't have legal standing when you've not done anything wrong. I don't think they have any legal standing to bring a lawsuit against you. And again, you have a partner that's gonna be there with you. I think that's that's the key, I think, Steve, is, is the partnership. And I think what I actually I've seen is they're actually step away and look away, right? Because they know they're, you know, that, that property is gonna be there forever. And, and so, you know, in their minds, it's, uh, you know, their mission is kind of met in some way. So you said the property's gonna be there forever, but my question is, um, can you sell the property? Is there anything that restricts you from uh, selling the property in the future because it has a conservation easement on it, or does it limit the value? Obviously, it limits the value from a, a, a development standpoint, right? It does. It does. But actually, <clears throat> now you're seeing the pendulum swing the other way now. And uh, yeah, there's in some cases in Texas where there's conservation neighborhoods mm. where several landowners have put conservation easements on. For the new buyer, you don't have to worry about anything changing. It's already done for you. Gotcha. And, and, and I, th I think you're going to see that go forward. Is that an uh, objection that you hear from folks, their fear that they would not be able to sell the land at some point in time uh, if they chose to or if their descendants chose to? 
That's a question. It comes up all the time. But that landowner still owns that land, still has the right to sell it, still has the right to pay taxes on it, still has the right to farm it or ranch it, still has the right to enjoy it. Just can't subdivide it, build that Walmart or or build a bunch of houses on it. That's the only restriction that's given up is that development right. That's really helpful to, to hear. So one last question. I know we touched on this earlier, but just to reiterate, um, you're telling us today that, that a conservation easement does not invite the government in to help you manage or take over your property or give them any more rights than they did the day before we had this conservation easement. Is that correct, Jeff? That is correct, 100%. It does not give the, you know, the government any oversight or uh, authority over you. That's fantastic. Guys, this has been really, really helpful and very insightful. I appreciate that. As we wrap up our program, I'd like to ask a couple of our panelists to share some final thoughts on conservation easements. David? You know, in summary, Kevin, what I'd like to say, if you're considering an easement, go into this thing with your eyes wide open. Uh, understand it's completely voluntary. This is not a land grab. Uh, choose your trust wisely, your land trust that you're going to do business with, that you're going to partner with, because it's, it's forever. Uh, understand what they're thinking. And then also your attorney. Make sure your attorney is well-versed in conservation easements. I think that's very important. Mm -hmm. Great points. Jed? Yeah, I think those are great points that David mentioned. You know, I think the other piece is, is it's really a partnership, and, and uh, David and I have really gotten close, uh, you know, the last couple of years of us talking through their easements, right? And, and it's uh, this partnership, friendship, mm -hmm. and you're not in it alone. And I would just recommend, too, the other aspect is find these other, you know, your other peers, your other cattlemen across the industry and ask. And it's okay if, you know, I'm in California to ask Steve in Colorado, right? Sure. I mean, everybody comes through it differently. And, uh, and uh, you know, again, it's there's not a better blessing that I have than to, you know, sit across the, the table and, and work with landowners and help them empower uh, that future generation. Well, as we see the increasing value of land, as we see the generational transfer going on in our industry, it just seems like something that deserves a good hard look by a lot of us. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your perspective and your expertise with us. Now remember, if you're interested in putting your land and natural resources into a conservation easement, a land trust is an excellent resource to answer questions and help with the application process. To find an organization near you, go to landtrustalliance.org or rangelandtrusts.org. Well, that wraps up this special edition of NCBA's Cattlemen to Cattlemen. Thanks again to our panelists for their insights on conservation easements, and thank you for watching. Beyond the Fence Line is brought to you by the Texas Agricultural Land Trust, dedicated to conserving the Texas heritage of agricultural lands, wildlife habitats, and natural resources. Find out more at txaglandtrust.org.